your punditry pretty poor. You you predicted Dimitar Berbatov would score a brace. He didn't. No, I, and, and uh, never have I been happier to be wrong in my whole life. What a fantastic performance from Dimitar Berbatov. All last season getting booed and people blaming him for how poor we were. And I believe he's just entirely justified a £30 million price tag. Because I do think that a hat-trick against Liverpool, £10 million a goal, that second goal you would certainly play £10 million for. Well, yes, expensive goal, um, if that's the case. But look, great performance. Uh, somehow this season, Berbatov has translated his undoubted talent into to real output on the pitch, and that's always been the criticism, hasn't it? Well, you know, aside from the fact that he looks like he's asleep on the pitch most of the time, it's it's been that he just hasn't scored enough goals for for the man. Although, of course, his stats have always been good. He's he's you know got just about a one in two record for United, and he really didn't play that many games last season. He he played well, twenty nine starts. So you know, I guess the, the question is now: has he has he played himself into the number one striker's position at United, where he can't get dropped for the big games? Well. Uh, I think that, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that I'm the world's biggest Dimitar Berbatov fan. And also, I'd like to point out that, yes, it wasn't, it would be expensive, but you can't put a price on great art. But essentially, you, you still can't really justify playing him as the lone front man in a 4-5-1-4-3-3 hybrid, I don't think. Unless one of those wide people is Rooney and he's really making it a kind of de facto 4-2-1-2 or something. You know. Yeah, I think essentially you're right. I don't think you can play Berbatov as a frontman in a 4-5-1. It's never suited him. And just because he's getting the goals now doesn't mean he'll suddenly do it if, if we stick him up top alone. I mean, of course, he had a pretty good game against Everton, but I just don't think it brings the best out in him. Which leads us to the big question, what gives when uh, United play Valencia next week? And Valencia have got a, a, a decent start there. Won the first three games and then drew against the Atletico de Madrid this week. What gives? Does Ferguson go with a 4-4-2? Does he sacrifice Rooney? Does he sacrifice Berbatov again? Does he ship Rooney to the left wing, God forbid? Um, and and that's, a real, that's a real dilemma for Ferguson now. Well, I wonder whether the extent of that dilemma was one of the reasons that he uh, didn't turn up at Scunthorpe. And we're jumping around the agenda a little bit, but I think they're related issues. So perhaps he wanted to really get some very first-hand, in-depth, you know, appreciation for the way they approach a game which Valencia was for Valencia was a pretty big game and maybe maybe that's maybe that's why because Valencia are not a brilliant side I mean they've got to be one of the weaker teams in the Champions League the Spanish league is so incredibly it's so ridiculously polarized such a two-horse race that I think Valencia would you know struggle to qualify for Europe if they were in um in the English league and so maybe he's he's considering playing 4-4-2 against them well, we'll we'll see, and and uh, I guess uh, there's there's room for a, a bit more on that later in the show. So I, I guess uh, aside from Berbatov, United's performance against Liverpool was a little bit Jekyll and Hyde, wasn't it? Great going forward, uh, looked like we could score at will, but shaky at the back. I mean, Liverpool had one shot on target uh, aside from the penalty, and that was Gerrard's free kick so really didn't create much but managed to score twice and and on two occasions where they did look to open United up we've given away goals and it seems to be the pattern for the season at the moment 
the amount that we miss Rio is just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, when when he doesn't play, they they just look all over the place. Johnny Evans just looks an absolute shadow of himself when he's playing with Vidic, and you know he was definitely and and also John O'Shea cannot be your first choice right back. I mean, he's been such a fantastic servant for Manchester United in terms of endeavour, and we've talked about this on the on the Rankcast before. John O'Shea is not very good, and and that really does cause problems. Yes, no, I, I I agree. He's not very good, and this is not to have a good a, a go at John O'Shea just for the sake of it. He's, he's not always been a he's been a he's been a squad player at United, and nothing more. But now he is our first choice right, right back, and it, it's a, a bit of a weakness. And for whatever reason, Raphael seems to have got up Ferguson's nose. Um, whether it's uh, I don't know his attitude in training or or whatever it is, I don't know. I'm speculating because well, it could be it could be the fact that every time he's ever played for us in an important game, he's done something incredibly stupid. I yes, mean, but but do you know do you know why that is? That's because he's not grown up defensively yet, and he he needs to play games. And at the moment, he's not playing any games. Started against Scunthorpe in, in the in the week, but you know playing at left back, that's a tough one for him to to deal with, isn't it? You know, clearly not his natural side. And I just think it's it's tough on the the lad at the moment that he's. You know, I think at the end of the last season, everyone thought, well, into the new season, Rafael's our man because you know he's just broken into the Brazil squad. We know he's got plenty of talent, and he needs the games in order to fulfil it. And and right now, he seems to be well down the pecking list. Yeah, I mean, at the you know, yeah, it it, it really is a problem. And you say he was playing not in his natural position, but are we absolutely sure that that wasn't an elaborate? prank and he was actually Fabio playing in his natural position but trying to create the illusion that there was a player playing out of position <laughs> yeah well maybe yeah. Sure of that. switching onto his right foot constantly just to, just <laughs> yeah. to wind this up yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um no I mean I, I mean I, I think this is this is a big part of the reason that we've got defensive problems is that you know out of our back four you would say there were two uh, our back, regular back four so far this season you'd say there were two really outstanding players and and two who one of whom's got obviously bags of talent and the other one is a, is you know a very successful journeyman basically John O'Shea if he hadn't been so loyal and hadn't been so versatile would have been a kind of you know Newcastle United level type player wouldn't he he would have been a regular in a in a mid-table side but um he's a squad player at United and due to circumstance he's he's now United's first choice right back and uh, that's caused something of an issue how how is Rio doing? I mean, he was ill, wasn't he? And that's why he didn't play. Um, yeah, he, look, he looks. He seems to be fit. I mean, he he had the run out against Scunthorpe. He played all ninety minutes uh, of that game, and uh, he seems to be okay. Uh, I, you just wonder with Rio that uh, an injury is just a, a a turn or a tweak away from happening, isn't it? And, yeah. Uh, he yeah. he needs a run of games to prove that he is back fit, and you know, it's he's getting on. He'll be thirty two in November, Ferdinand. He's got a hell of a lot of outside interests uh, you wonder whether his focus might be going somewhat and he needs to prove otherwise look there were there were some not so subtle maneuvers by united over the summer to sell him right and the, the whole ferdinand to tottenham story was dead on right tottenham were interested and united were interested in listening to offers if he hadn't got injured and uh, yeah. and the injuries saved his united career i'm certain of that and and he has to prove that uh, you know he's he's worthy of staying because you know if he's fit, he's still the best. You know, there's there's no one better. He's he's got absolutely everything, and uh, we need him. But um, he does have to stay fit, and United have to plan for the succession, which is which is I guess a nice segue into into Scunthorpe because I thought Chris Smalling was brilliant, yeah, albeit against the Championship side, but I thought he showed all the 
all the attributes uh, you know of a top class player in the making he looked completely fantastic and what a finish what a phenomenal finish from the lad for his goal yeah I mean <laughs> not, he, bad for a centre half. Not, not only did he look composed at the back I, I know United gave away a lot of uh, chances I and mean, a lot of that was to do with the, the horrible shape United were playing but yeah great great finish from from Parks Cross uh, or 70 yard ball to to Gibson I'm pretty sure he's playing the ball as well not just hoofing it down the channel and and uh, you know he just looked he looked good all around his real presence he's, he's obviously quick he's comfortable on the ball he's the kind of player that's happy to make a run to the near post and volley home a finish in, in all of those regards reminds us reminds me a bit of a young Rio Ferdinand he does he does and doesn't he he, he really there's definitely does a, there's definitely a direct succession there and I think obviously Rio will be extremely good for Chris Smalling off the pitch as well, you'd imagine, because for all his outside interests, I think Rio's grown up a lot, hasn't he? And I, I think he probably would, would be a pretty good role model to have as a aspiring kind of classy centre-half. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Rio's outside interests are, are, are business-related, and he has, he has his magazine and his record label and his entertainment talent agency thing that he does and obviously all the charity stuff with the knife crime and stuff like that and he has become a role model on, you know, on and off the pitch and, and it's it's very very different from the days when he went partying in Ionapa and had all, all the stuff that goes along with being a young rich guy in, in Ionapa over the summer and all of those stories and, and obviously the missed drugs test and, and all of that I guess a shame I guess a shame for for you know, in the younger part of his career, that he didn't have the uh, the maturity that he has now. He's still but, a bit of a plonker, mind you. You are okay. you are a master of the segue, Ed. You talk about like oh, all the things that a young man gets up to in Ayanapa with loads of money. Oh, and then a missed drugs test. <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure if you were trying to imply that, but there's certainly potential for people to make an inference. Well, people um, people did for years, and of course that that one was never proven. And uh, and on, on the old version of rant, I wrote a lot about Rio and how unfair the uh, sanction was against him in in relative terms to the punishments other footballers got for similar crimes and and that still stands that still stands i mean in in kind of global anti-doping uh, circles um uh, you know it looked like a light punishment missing drugs test today for a first time one time only offense and and football's never standardized this and if they did ferdinand would have got three chances and on his third chance it, that would have been three strikes and you're out and he'd have got the year ban um which is what happened to christine Ohorogaru, the uh, the hurdler, uh, but but there you go. Uh, that's that's somewhat tangential, I guess. And and long and short of it is, Fernand needs to get back playing. And and if he doesn't, Chris Smalling looks like he has the talent to come in and develop. I want to talk a little bit more about the Liverpool game, even though you did uh, seize your beautiful opportunity to move us on from that game, because there there was a couple of things that I that I'd thought about that I wanted to say. One is the murderers murderers chant is absolutely accurate i know yeah i, I was no, thinking it's not, that it's not, no. it's not it's not even funny to me it's like um manchester united fans get so upset about people making munich references and it, it's just absolutely the moral equivalence is so incredibly obvious there it's like there's 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 no need to denigrate your own humanity 
just because you don't like another football team. It's it's ridiculous, and it kind of makes me feel sick. Actually, it's it was just it was really horrible on a day when there was such a f- fantastic atmosphere, and you can sing songs about how Steve Gerrard is a kind of overblown badge kissing transfer request handing in, you know, whatever till the cows come home, and and that's I think in the realm of fair game, but like. There's no need. There's just no need. But the other thing, and, oh, wasn't it funny, though, Gerard, doing the camera kissing thing? Oh, yes, I've equalised in this game. I'm, and I'm wonderful, Stephen Gerard, and then Berbatov scored again. I know, that must have been just... painful for him, mustn't it? And, yes, the ego, said... the ego had landed right on the camera, his favourite place, and, uh, he... yeah, he got it taken away from him. And, uh, that was he brilliant. said they deserved something out of the game. I'm really not sure what game he was watching. They didn't deserve anything. They barely deserved to be allowed to still be a football team after that game. They were absolutely woeful. Yeah, they and uh, and yeah, perhaps even more woeful than they were against Northampton in in midweek. And Scunthorpe gave us a better game than Liverpool. But there you yeah. go. That's uh, they. Yes, they. But that—that's the point I was making earlier. United seem to have a habit of, sh- you know, shipping goals when oh, they're definitely. well on top at the moment, and it's a real problem. It is. I have to say, um, there was some debate about the penalty. It was a clear, absolute penalty. There's no, no doubt about that. But like a lot of people gave Darren Fletcher a lot of stick for, you know, diving out of the way of Gerrard's free kick. But some bloke pulled him. Did you have you seen that in slow yeah, motion? Round round Mireles, yeah. Well pushed into him and then ran away and then and, and Fletcher kinda of sort of bounced off John O'Shea, didn't he? And that created the hole and it's clearly one they've worked on the training ground so that's exactly where uh, Gerard shot and it, it's a foul, right? It's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know we have touched on it already, but we cannot move on without talking a little bit about Berbatov's second goal. In, in, in some more detail because I mean all, all joking aside and like my general Dimitar Berbatov fanboy ridiculousness it, it, it was a thing of absolute beauty there's a brilliant picture in the sports pages of the Guardian which was also in the Metro and it's taken from the other end of the ground and the ball's just left his foot and the camera is focused the, 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 the focus of the shot is, is mostly on the, the crowd behind the goal and you can see that out of the whole, like, whatever it is, 200 people in the picture, there's maybe one or two that even think this has got the remotest chance of going in or even really realised what's happened yet because he reacted so quickly and Rooney nearly got in the way of the of the pass and, and Berbatov had so little time to think about it and to control it on your right knee like that and then get the technique to... to I mean, that really is the absolute perfect overhead kick because it just it, there's no chance it's going to rattle off any of the defenders um, and just to kind of float into the top corner and just watching it drop, will it, won't it? The moment where it was suddenly clear that he'd scored, one of my favourite footballing memories ever, that that's going to... That's gonna, go down in legend for me that that was a hell of a moment of course if you wanted to be critical you could say you know he didn't have to do the perfect control on his thigh he could have got off the ground and and done the acrobatics <laughs> and scored that way i mean it's been a much more <laughs> much more aesthetically pleasing goal i think but but that'd be highly critical. I, think... I mean of course you know that's that's what i do down there uh, uh, <laughs> you know when i'm dreaming um, I, I think the I think the control um, makes it slightly more aesthetic because uh, just because of the word control, right? It, it it brings it more into the realm of uh, a, a player doing exactly what he wants with the ball, 
making the ball do exactly what he wants it to. Perfect. Perfect. Part of a hat trick against Liverpool. As if, as if it wasn't good enough. First, it wasn't first time in 65 years, yes. Yes. Phenomenal. You know, they say like the perfect hat trick is a right foot, left foot and header. I think this is untrue. The perfect hat trick is two headers and the greatest goal of all time and to be against Liverpool. <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, well, we'll have to send him a prize. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rank, oh yeah, by the way, just 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 so everyone who like just for all those United players who are listening, I, I know you're all you're an all listen lads, and and we're right behind you, and good luck and everything. But you're really gonna have to go some to win Rantcast's Goal of the Season award. Just so you know, I'm pretty sure that's locked up. Someone's gonna have to do something pretty special. Well, they'll all be trying it in training now, aren't they? <laughs> yes. So we we had a good look at, uh, against Scunthorpe at, at some of our uh, some of our fringe players. Who who did you think shone apart from Chris Smalling? Well, aside from Chris Smalling, I mean, it was it was great to see Anderson back. I mean, he had a, he had a pretty quiet game. He played in the kind of defensive role and. He just kind of sat in front of the, the the back four, and I think that was part part uh, together with the United's awful four three three shape, uh, which just didn't work with the players they had in wide positions. I think it was partly why Scunthorpe had so many opportunities because Anderson just didn't really track his runners. But it was really good to see him back, and uh, so you know I was really pleased with that. I thought Bebe had a, a really nice fifteen minute cameo, and you know he's just a little. A little sneak peek of of what we might get with this player, and and we'd seen it in the under twenty one games and the and the reserves and and all of that, but this was just you know in front of national TV cameras and and all of that. It was just really nice to see what he's about, and he got the ball, and as soon as he got the ball, ran, beat two players, and then lashed a goal bound shot which got blocked by the third, and you just thought, oh nice, confident, and he he seemed comfortable down the left or down the right. He switched wings. Uh, he as soon as he got the ball, he's looking to take players on. He's obviously got bags and bags of pace. His control is fine. I don't know what anyone was complaining about there. Uh, a couple of long-range passes hit at him. He controlled one with the outside of his foot and then took on the d- defender. And I just thought, you know, he's got all the ingredients here. He's a couple of years behind uh, in terms of his development cycle, which which is a bit of a shame, you know. So it might be sort of 22, 23 before we start seeing some, you know, real top quality from him and he'll get you know a few games this season and then a few more next season uh yeah um, you know it it was nice to see for all the kind of crazed nonsense that's been spoken about in the press which just been completely bizarre it 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 was nice to see that the 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 boy is clearly a a real player isn't he you know yeah he is a real player and there has been an awful lot of nonsense and i had had some conversations with with some unnamed journalists over the past week about that at that particular paper I, i did promise not to say anything more but but not everyone agreed that they were on the right track with uh, what they were saying about him. And it, they, the male's interest in, in Bebe was fine because it's an interesting story f- because of where he's come from and the surprise nature of the deal and the fact that Ferguson's left himself open to criticism by admitting he'd never seen the player play. Uh, in an in an era when he's saying there's no value in the market and he's spent, what, half a million pounds less than, say, Raphael van der Vaart, uh, an established and experienced and high-quality international, right? So yep. all the ingredients weighed up something, which is a story, totally. Um, the problem is headline after headline after headline used things like flop and dud and failure and and they were just, and and after his reserve uh, reserve game when United got spanked by a very very good Aston Villa 
you know reserve side who you know they've got a the top quality youth program going there and then a slightly different cycle to United's it was all about Bebe it wasn't Bebe's fault United shipped three goals and Aston Villa's winger scored a hat-trick you know brilliant hat-trick at that and so you know it, they opened themselves up I think to an accusation of victimisation and that there was some kind of vendetta and you can see it you know just in the Twitter sphere that people believe that to be the case now and it's really dumb and uh, I hope that's now ended uh, and uh, Bebe will be given the chance to develop at the rate that other players you know if he was if he was 18 and coming through the, the youth team people wouldn't have the same kind of scrutiny and it's very well, unfair on the lad and he can't win because of it absolutely I mean the, the only way he can win is by becoming Cristiano Ronaldo it's not clear whether or not that's particularly likely for any 18 year old you know no, right, and it wasn't clear, clear when Cristiano was 17 and roasted John O'Shea, uh, the aforementioned John O'Shea, several times in, in uh, that pre-season game against Sporting that Cristiano would become the Cristiano we know today. You know, A lot of the talk in his first season with United was about the end product, right? And, yeah, and, I remember. Uh, right, and uh, you know, there was a lot of criticism for that, and he didn't score enough goals, and he didn't make the right final pass, and it took him a couple of seasons to learn, but look at what he became, so... And, and look at what Nani's becoming now. He's he's becoming a very central figure to United, and uh, and there's lots of end product with Nani now. And we weren't sure what six months ago that that'd be that'd be the case. Um, we we were we were fairly confident nine months ago that it wouldn't. Right. I think it's fair to say. I think I think Nani's transformation was a, was has been a real surprise to a lot of people. Yeah, and and. One, one, one of the things talking about development because it's it's an interesting issue with United at the moment because United have a lot of players around the sort of twenty mark and um, Arsene Wenger said this week about Jack Wilshere that that he kind of feels he knows when players are eighteen whether they're going to be a top player or not and I have to say a lot of the time that's true it's not always true you know I don't want to be at risk of contradicting myself here a lot of the time he just knows whether someone's got the, the raw materials. And it's about their development cycle and, and stuff like that. But United have quite a lot of players who are right on the cusp of, yeah, they might make it or they might not make it. I mean, obviously, we've got, you know, Diouf and Cleverly out on loan and Diouf's 22 and Cleverly's 21 now. And they both kind of need to, you know, they need to do it this season, don't they? And then we've got Obertan, who's 22, be 23 this season. And obviously, Gibson will be 23. And, you know, you're now thinking, well, they kind of got to do something now 23 and then there's there's the lad who's on the bench against Gunthorpe real shame he didn't um, have a go Magnus Ikram who's who's a proper talent anyone, yeah. anyone who's, who's seen this guy play he's uh, he's not super quick but he can use both feet and he's got real vision he's kind of creative midfielder and it's a long time since United have developed that kind of player and and um, yeah, standout performance obviously last night. I, I haven't. I only saw the highlights. I didn't get to see the whole game. At Man United Youth has uh, written up a, a glowing report um, on Ikram, who's involved in three of the goals. And you kind of think, well, you know, if, is this player going to get his get his chance now? And that that was one of the the things that came out of the Scunthorpe game. It was a bit of a shame, especially as United only used two of their substitutions. Yeah, and I wonder whether that would have been the case had Sir Alex Ferguson been on the bench. See that? That is what they call a segue, Ed. I know that you are the master of the segue, but I've been learning at your altar, and uh, I, I hope that that's uh, that's that's wor- a segue worthy of the rank cast there. Absolutely. 
Um, so why the hell for the third time? Well, for let's just say for the first time ever, citing professional reasons, did Sir Alec because a wedding and a funeral are not in the same category as I want to go and watch Valencia. I know why was he there? I've got to say it's totally, totally bizarre. And um, I mean, a lot of people were in the debate that followed were like, yeah, so what? He's you know, it's more important, but. No, it, he's never done this in 1,340 games. He has never missed a game simply to go scouting. And I have to say, it's just not a good enough excuse for me. I, I, are United in such a terrible position that we need to give it so much more for this next Champions League game? No, I don't think so. Did we all say beforehand that we're in quite a good group? I mean, Valencia, we've talked about their problems. Yes, they had a decent start to the, the season. But I can tell you how they play. They play with two forwards and then play with two very wide men. And they're a bit old-fashioned. Um, and there'll be a real force at the Mestalla. Uh, but I don't think they'll be very good at Old Trafford, right? So, you know, I'm not sure I needed to have a trip over to Valencia to, to tell you that. Are we now saying that United are underprepared normally for European games? Are, are our scouts in Europe not good enough? Ferguson's own brother is the, you know, our head European scout. Could we have not sent Phelan to do the scouting and Ferguson in charge because that's his job? So a lot of those questions were raised. And then you have to kind of ask, well, why is he really going? I mean, he's never actually done this before in 25 years at United and 1300 games. So was it to go and look at De Gea, uh, which is the kind of obvious one because he was sat there with Eric Steele, the goalkeeping coach. So you kind of think, well... He's probably looking at the game. He's certainly not looking at Cesar Sanchez, a Valencia keeper who's uh, nearly 40. So, yeah, if it's to look at the Gare, why now, all of a sudden? And, so, and also, like, well, I mean, the why now thing could just be that, the you know, it's it just works. It just makes sense because the two of them could go, you know, he could kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, but, 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 but of, the, of, the, most Spanish sides play at, you know, 9pm on a Sunday evening. He can go to all the games every weekend if he wants. Yeah, and the the other thing that's weird is like of all the positions in in football, the easiest position to scout without having to actually be there has got to be the goalkeeper because you just put a camera on the goalkeeper for ninety minutes, you right. know, and so you can see absolutely everything they do, and and in a way that you could never hope to do with a midfielder where you've got to see how they're responding to the shape of the game or whatever, you know. I mean, right? I guess and and De Gea's had plenty. I mean, he's had thirty-five games in the Atletico side, so you know, there's lots of, there's you know, and he real came, he came to prominence last season, of course, with uh, Atletico's great run in the UEFA Cup or Europa League, whatever it's called. Since United aren't in it, I don't care about it. Um, the Fairs Cup. That's it. Yeah, Intercity Fairs Toto. Yeah. <laughs> bollocks so right look, they've had plenty of chance to look at him are, are we saying a bid's going to come in right now what, what was the necessity the urgency to miss the United game in order to go and look at this guy when when I'm telling you he could he could go this Sunday you know United playing at lunchtime he could go and watch this guy, this guy at the weekend if he wanted so um, it all it all kind of adds up to something a bit strange and I wonder whether the criticism I wonder if they are actually thinking about a bid for De Gea and the criticism over Bebe playing a f- part here and he wants to say yeah I absolutely definitely and very publicly went to see this player play I mean you we were talking last week about Mesut Ozil and, and Fergie kind of romancing him a bit you know all that throwing throwing everything at him mm. maybe there's a bit of that going on maybe it's a bit of look I love you so much I'm prepared to miss this game for you maybe you know? well of course the word was and, and I have no idea whether this is true or not that United uh, had uh, 
uh, you know, been prepared to bid in the summer, and um, the De Gea family or De Gea himself said, "I don't want to go just yet." You know, which would be perfectly fair. The guy's 19, and to to be thrust after sort of 30 odd games into into that kind of spotlight as a goalkeeper, when tradition says goalkeepers mature a bit later, would would you know would be a big ask. But hey, it might be. You know, they bid in the. They say they bid in January. He's going to have half a season to get used to United, and then he's going to be United's number one. Well, yeah, that's the thing as well, because if he'd come in the summer, he obviously wouldn't have gone straight into the number one spot, you would imagine. The no. results would have been the number one. Got to say about him, though, he does look to be a real top player, and he's got a, loads of presence about him. I mean, he just. I, mean, I, watched, I remember watching the UEFA Cup final last season, and um, I watched it with a, a bunch of other football bloggers, and. And we're all like, you know, this this lad's a real player. He's got it. You know, you can just he just commands his area, and he's got all the talents. And you kind of think, hmm, could be interesting. See, this is what the this is what everyone's missing out on. The cool the cool football bloggers all get together and watch a European Cup final and scout players and stuff. This is this is what the rest of us us mere mortals in the uh, Twitter sphere don't 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 get to do. No, no, it's just a secret club where we. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you, you, you like plot against certain individual players, don't you? And and make up lies about the Glazers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, you know, we compare which lies we're going to make up, and then you know, see if we can synchronise them so it has some kind of semblance of truth. <laughs> Excellent. Um. So yeah, all in all, um, after last week, which was uh, pretty grim, th- this week was an awful lot more pleasant. Well, any time you beat Liverpool, it's a lot more pleasant. Yeah. Oh, wasn't it fantastic? Like, no, we beat them, and then they lost to Northampton. God, the humiliation. He's a humiliation. And then there's Roy. Roy. Why? It's and not. I- it's not. It's not why, Ed. It's not why. It's a soft art. It's. Roy, <laughs> Roy, <laughs> Roy. <laughs> yeah, that's is that's a bit like if I, you know, had a bar of nougat and it's stuck to my roof of my mouth. Exactly. And I can't, Roy. Exactly. Oh. Anyway, so Roy uh, <laughs> humiliated uh, in the middle of Anfield. Uh, he didn't really know what to do. And I kind of felt sorry for him because he's a nice chap, but he's obviously he's a pretty bad loser, isn't he? And Liverpool just being knocked out. The Northampton players are sliding all over the place and jumping around and. Roy is standing there soaked through in his probably very expensive suit kind of gazing into the distance thinking oh my god I should have stayed at Craven Cottage yeah I mean you know there's a lot of people saying that it's probably actually quite good for Liverpool not to be in the Carling Cup because their squad's too thin to sustain a challenge on all fronts but it was by far their best chose choice chance of silverware because they're not going to sustain a challenge on any fronts the way they're playing no um, right I mean they could well uh, you know he said that the Premier League's a priority so he's going to deprioritize the 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 Europa League so they could well end up getting knocked out in the group stages of that and well so, you know they do need to stay up it is important to to it's important for these sort of mid table sides to get definitely get enough points it's to stay a, it's up. all right they wouldn't want to get sucked into the relegation battle with you know teams like you know Wigan and West Ham who probably have superior finances to them <laughs> um by the way also like the banks might take them over and they might go into administration and get a nine point you know penalty I don't think that's probably not no I, I, I think um, so it, it is very realistic that uh, Royal Bank of Scotland could could effectively seize control on, on October the 6th there's some debate about whether that really is the deadline but anyways it's looming 
Administration, no, because administration is basically when they're insolvent, and that's not the case. Right? Although, no. although um, interest payments are higher than profits at the moment, but uh, if the bank takes them over, they're, they're not going into administration. So we can cancel that one out. That's not going to happen. But they do need a buyer, and they're, they're not going to improve until they do get a buyer. And the the quality of the squad might regress. It might not improve. I mean, you know, there's a lot of talk this morning even that Fernando Torres is desperate to get out now, and he feels like he's made a mistake. So. And they'd probably go in January, you'd imagine. He could well do. I mean, you know, you, you couldn't really see him going to City. You'd, you'd think a trip abroad would be more sensible, although Barcelona's not on, so who knows? Um, and Madrid he is could go back to, He could go back to Atletico. I don't, think they, I don't think they've got the finances to, to finance a £50 million bid or something like that. So. Right, right. Well, it's been interesting. It'd be interesting to watch how that pans out because at some point he's going to force his value down by like continually not looking like he was trying I mean against us he kind of did look like he was trying because he was playing against us obviously you know and he still wants to shine when he has some sort of opportunity to but he looks like a very lonely figure so talking about lonely if you're a fan at the Reebok Stadium on a midweek game that's lonely and uh, that's where United are visiting this weekend see see that Paul see that's yeah I'm I'm, masterly. I'm, I'm I've still got a long way to go. Uh, <laughs> I, I can admit that. So um, United went there last season. Uh, Berbatov scored what once or twice, and it was a sort of comfortable four-nil win, wasn't it? I think I'm right in saying last year, and you'd kind of expect a, a you know a win again for United. Their own calls had a bit of time to get the team playing the way he wants, and they do play you know much more attractive football than say under under Allardyce. So you expect it to be a you know reasonably tough trip for United most of the time you'd kind of expect Bolton to give you a pretty tough game and obviously they're going to raise their game against Manchester United aren't they like like so many teams do and so I think I think it could be a bit tight and I think it could even be uh, Valencia away is next week isn't it it's not the week after have I no, got the it's, dates it's, wrong yeah, it's it's next, you're, you're right it's next Wednesday United play Bolton at Sunday lunchtime it's a weird 12 o'clock kick off I guess so we're at Valencia on Wednesday night and then of course we've got uh, away to Sunderland next week the week after so that's, I mean, that's three not totally easy away fixtures in a row, isn't it? I yeah. mean, not, yeah. not, not none of the top ranked teams, but away fixtures are always tricky and, and there's some decent players that we'll, we'll be up against in, in that time and, and the squad rotation issue comes up again. Obviously, Paul Scholes is not going to play all of those and you would think that he is going to want him away to Valencia. So I imagine Scholes might not play at Bolton, yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a, it's a good shout. He might not play at Bolton. He, they might think about bolstering the midfield. Depends how Rooney is, of course. They might think about bringing Ando into that midfield. You know, after he had the run out against Scunthorpe. Yeah, that that be be, be kind of good to see in a way. Um, and uh, on on the subject of uh, midfielders and squad rotation, there's a headline on the BBC News site. But Owen Hargreaves back in training with Manchester United. He's back yeah, in yeah, no, not unsurprising. Of course, we we had the the words, um, you know, sort of ten days ago that he was leaving Denver and coming back to United, and uh, that they were very pleased with his progress. And Dr. Richard Steadman said that he, you know, he's better shape than he's ever been, which is, which is fine. I mean, of course, we were in this position last season when he was training and and uh, had half a game with the reserves, and, and then what, you know, twenty seven seconds against Sunderland uh, at the end of the season. So so we'll see. We'll see. I mean, Ferguson's talking him up, saying the way he's been training, uh, he's in contention for a first-team place. So, you know, fantastic if it happens, but it's Owen Hargreaves, so I'm not counting any chickens. 
No, but you know, very, very, very best of luck to the lad. And, and of course, uh, I will, I will owe at Badger Wolf uh, a few beers uh, because I confidently predicted this guy would never play for United again. Although I'm going to caveat that and say if he plays and not just some cameo prefer- performance, and he plays 90 minutes and he manages to play 90 minutes a week afterwards. Then no. he's back. Then he's no. Back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid that was you can't caveat bold Twitter overconfident claims after the fact. You have to put the caveats in. If the caveat doesn't fit in 140 characters, you're not allowed to use it. Well, you're making the rules up as you go along. <laughs> it's my it's, it's my party. I that's the way I'm saying it. <laughs> um, talking of Twitter shout outs, I would like to give a massive shout out to App. At Happy Hero Howard, who's a, a, a fan of the Rankcast, has uh, given us some special Follow Friday love uh, this week, and also got a new job this week. So, congratulations, Howard! Uh, I hope it goes extremely well. Gotta love that Follow Friday love. Ah, Follow Friday loves one of the best kind of loves there is. Not quite as good as Dimitar Bovatov overhead kick man love, but uh, the less said about that, the better. Well, we'll um, we'll leave it there, and we'll leave you to your Berber man love. And uh, (laughs) it's a horrible picture. Uh, (laughs) Don't worry, it's not like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's fine if that's who you are. So we'll be back next week with another edition of the Rankcast, hopefully a similarly celebratory one and not the kind of mournful type of Rankcast we had last week. Three, well, two tough fixtures until we talk again on the verge of another one. I'm going to predict Bolton. It's a very difficult fixture to predict, isn't it? I'm going to, I'm going to predict a 3-1 win for us. One from Berbatov. And against Valencia, we'll definitely beat Valencia. Uh, I think we're going to beat Valencia 2-0. I think they, they will flatter to deceive. Okay, well, uh, yeah, I'm going to go for a comfortable win against Bolton. I mean, I, I'd, I'd predict a nil, but we do seem to be <laughs> shipping goals, don't we? So, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go for for three one. I'll, I'll be with you on that one, and I think Valencia will still be a tough fixture, and I just can't see Fergie playing too up front. But you know, we'd love to see it, so I'm going to go for a nil nil away in Valencia. Oh, that if we do nil nil away in Valencia, we're starting to get a little, starting to get a little. Tight in that group. A little, little bit of squeaky bum time, yeah. It might, it might yeah, not, not quite, not quite squeaky. Just you know, preparatory. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be back with more of this nonsense next week.